artist in the room? Hmm. Let's find out. I have some questions for you, and I want you to tell me, is it smart or not smart? You're hungry. You go into the fridge. You find exactly what you want to eat, but somebody else's name is on it. But you eat it anyway. Smart or not smart? Not smart. Smart or not smart? You're the guy or the girl who wrote your name on some food thinking nobody would pay attention to that. Smart or not smart to write your name on food in your own fridge? Smart or not smart? You're chewing some gum, and it's a really great piece of gum, but you're kind of tired of chewing it, so you stick it somewhere for later. Smart or not smart? (laughs) Okay, I thought that'd be obvious. Um, Smart or not smart, you have a really important test, or you have a really important presentation tomorrow, and you're like, ah, it'll be fine. So you decide to hang out with your friends or play video games or just be on the website and scroll social media instead. Smart or not smart? Smart or not smart, using your social media to passively, aggressively make comments about the world and your neighbors. Smart or not smart? Smart or not smart, you're in sixth grade or seventh grade, and you're on the school bus, and you see that a parent is behind the school bus honking and waving at you, and you wave back enthusiastically. Is that smart or not smart? Smart or not smart, this is a question that actually happens in Scripture. So, let's see what Scripture has to say about being smart or not smart. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but in earthly, unspiritual, and devilish. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings inside? Your cravings are at war within you. You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. Draw near to God and God will draw near to you. Last week was amazing. It was such a beautiful moment to be a part of 10 third graders getting their Bibles. And I have to tell you, I think Bible 101 class went really, really well. And so today we're going to do a Bible 101 part two class. I so appreciated all of your feedback, all of the emails. There were so many of you that engaged those tips and engaged that scripture and the overview idea of the Bible. 
I thank you for that. And so I want to remind you that we're going to use our Bible tips to go over this part of James. There's tip number one, two, and three. Know your preferred translation, know what you're reading, and put it into context. So, the scripture that I read from is from the version, as you may remember, the NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version. That's the one I'm always going to read from. That's the one that I prefer. If you prefer a different one, I would love for you to read the same text in your preferred translation and see the differences. The book of James is in the New Testament, and it's actually in the section called Epistles. This is a letter. James is officially writing a letter, and you know that because you go back and read chapter 1, verse 1, and it says, Hi, I'm James, and I'm writing a letter to the 12 churches in the diaspora. James is saying in a greeting, Dear churches, it's me, James, and I am writing to the churches that are out in the world that had to leave their hometown, but be a good community of faith wherever they landed. James may or may not be the same James that's talked about in the book of Acts. That James is the brother of Jesus. And that James is the one that helped continue to pave the way for the Christians and the disciples after the death of Jesus. This could be the same James. So why is James writing? James is writing because of the apostle Paul. The apostle Paul wrote about how important our faith is. For the Apostle Paul, to him, faith was the most important thing. And so the question became, what about our works? What about our actions? What about the things that we do? And there began a wonderful conversation, a dialogue, an argument, <laughs> about faith versus works. And to this day, there are denominations that still wrestle and talk about faith versus works and pick one over the other. There are theologians that write tons of books and articles over faith versus works. And there are just people who are still trying to figure out which is first, faith or works. And so James decided that James is going to write a letter to the universal churches out in the world with his opinion. So the book of James is actually answering the question, which is smarter, faith or works? Smart or not smart? In other words, which came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> faith. Versus works. And you know what you know what James says? Neither. Neither important. Neither came first. 
for James, it's all about wisdom. Because James knew how important wisdom was to the Jewish faith. And so thanks to James, James is helping us hold on to this idea of wisdom from the Old Testament and keeping it in front of us in this New Testament, in this new community of faith of Christianity, and in this new set of standards. James is reminding us that it's more important to have wisdom. And for James, there are two different types of wisdom. There's wisdom from above, and there's wisdom not from above. There is this wisdom of a heavenly nature, of a divine nature, and there's this wisdom of a worldly or an earthly nature. And wisdom from this earthly nature That type of wisdom leads to things like hatred and prejudice and judgment. But this wisdom from a place of divine, a place of divinity, a place of heaven, this wisdom leads to things like peace and compassion and mercy and empathy and grace and love and forgiveness. James is reminding us that an earthly wisdom leads more to trying to be cool. And earthly wisdom is more about trying to be accepted, trying to be popular, or trying to fit into that community. You're never going to believe this. I was the sixth grader and the seventh grader. Yeah, and the eighth grader. Uh, whose father inevitably every single day would somehow find my school bus and follow it, honking at me and waving. Yeah, I was this girl. I know you probably thought I was the coolest kid on campus. (laughs) I was not. Yeah, see, I was 5'8 now. I was 5'8 then. I was 5'8 in sixth grade. I had hair that added about a foot of width to me because of the frizz. There was always something stuck in my hair, like a ribbon or a scarf that I called a bow, and there was some matching outfit all the time. And I was that middle school kid on the bus, Every single time I saw my father waving at me, I had this internal conflict of what to do. I had this internal conflict to lean into the set of standards around me, and those were very different than the set of standards from home. I had this internal struggle with wanting to fit in with the people in front of me while at the same time being in community with the people at home. I had this internal struggle of wanting to make the right decision. And we all have these internal struggles. And these are those internal struggles that... They help us give in to temptations. 
Those internal struggles are always at war with us, sometimes tempting us to give in to desires or addictions or bad behaviors. Those are the internal struggles within us that are trying to live under a different set of rules than the ones we originally know. And that, my friends, is the exact thing that James is addressing. The churches that James is writing to, these churches are struggling with a different set of standards than the ones they have at home. These churches are in new places and new cultures, and they're struggling to try to fit in to that new community while knowing that there are a different set of standards in their other community. And so what James says to them, James says this, not me. James says, the more that you are fighting outwardly, is a reflection on an inward struggle. So the more you are fighting with people on the outside is more about what's going on with you on the inside. And so when you forget your godly wisdom, when you forget the wisdom from above inside of you, then we begin to ask questions like, What's smart or not smart? Is it smart or not smart to love the person in front of you? Is it smart or not smart to judge the person in front of you? Is it smart or not smart to let that family person in? Is it smart or not smart to judge the person based on the color of their skin, the person they love, or some other decision they've made? When you have forgotten the godly wisdom from above, then you begin to ask questions like, is it smart or not smart to be honest with the fears that I face, the addictions that I have, or the temptations that keep me up at night? And what James is saying, it's time for us to draw near to God and find the wisdom. Because God's love and God's grace is much bigger than any other earthly desire. James is reminding us that the closer we draw to God, the more wisdom we will find and the more comfort that we will have. And the closer we are to God, the more we draw into God, the more prepared we will be to face whoever and whatever is in front of us with the fruits of the Spirit. So no longer will we engage in conflict. No longer will we engage the family member that insists that they're right when we know we're right. (laughs) No longer will we engage in such smart or not smart conversations because we will know God's love is drawing us together in peace and compassion and mercy and empathy. So, if we were to use tips four and five all together, skip sections of scripture within reason and never use for harm, then we would take our scripture reading and we would shake it out a little bit and we would tease it out a little bit and we would hear 
James saying three things to us. Who is wise among you? Why are you fighting? And what does God want? And inevitably, the answer is always the most surprising. Inevitably, the wisest among us always shocks us. It's the one we don't expect. I'm going to read you a story from Maya Angelou. Maya was a writer and a poet, and she grew up in a very, very small town in Arkansas. She lived with her grandmother and her uncle, Willie. To them, the big city was Little Rock. That was where all the big and famous and rich and cool people, you know, the popular people lived. Well, Maya's grandmother owned a convenience store. And her uncle couldn't work in the store because he was crippled on the entire right side of his body. So from a very young age, Maya was needed in the store. Her uncle would take her by the back, put her in front of the big pot belly stove, and made her learn how to read and how to do her times tables. Do the eights. Now do the nines. Now do the twelves. She says no matter where she is or what she's doing, Maya is always ready to do her times tables. She learned those tables because she was afraid Uncle Willie was going to throw her in that big pot belly oven. Of course, Uncle Willie never heard a fly. He was just trying to keep her warm. Years later, Uncle Willie died. He never left that small town of Arkansas because he was afraid of what others would think or say about him. But on the way down to the funeral, Maya stopped in Arkansas. And when she got to the hotel, there was a man in the very nice suit with a lot of security men standing to greet her. You're here today because of your Uncle Willie's death. He said, uh, yes, sir, I am. And the man said, I have come by to personally tell you that Arkansas has lost a great man. My Uncle Willie? Yes, that's right. Arkansas will never be the same. In fact, the world will never be the same without your Uncle Willie. You mean Willie Johnson? My Uncle Willie, are you sure we're talking about the same person? Willie Johnson, you say? She could not believe that this well-dressed man in Little Rock even knew her Uncle Willie's name. Okay, what did he do, she said. He said, I was the only child of a blind woman. And your Uncle Willie used to grab me by the back of my clothes put me in front of a pot belly oven. He taught me how to read and how to do my times tables. And now I'm the very first black mayor of Arkansas. And now, ma'am, here's your escort to his funeral. When you get to Simple Arkansas, I want you to look up this man. He will give you an escort from there. So Maya was a little dazed 
but she traveled with this big escort to Simple, Arkansas. She went into the office, as told, and she asked for a specific man. This young white man came running out of his office, gave her a huge hug, and said, I loved Uncle Willie. You see, I was my mom's only child, and he used to grab me by the back of my clothes, put me in front of a big pot belly oven, and he taught me how to read, and he taught me all my times tables, and now because of him, I'm the youngest sheriff in Arkansas. Who is the wisest among you? Chapel Roswell, we are a church living outside our hometown in a whole new world, in a whole new culture, with different issues and different questions and different problems of a day. And I don't know about you, but I hear a lot of people arguing. I hear a lot of people fighting outwardly. I wonder if James isn't writing us a letter. Dear friends, it's me, James. And I ask you, why are you fighting? What does God really want? And who among you is the wisest? Amen. Please pray with me. Holy and gracious Lord, we know that your presence is surrounding us. We ask you that you help us to feel your presence in a new way. May we feel you moving in our hearts. May we feel you moving in our minds. May we know your presence in such a way that we are so ready to share your love and your grace with everyone we meet. Because Lord, we know that there have been times in our lives when we have not done that. Probably all too quickly, we can name a time and we can name a person that we were quick to judge or quick to say no to, or quick just to hate. For those times and for those faces, we are sorry. And Lord, may you put in our path a new direction and a new way and a new place for us to say yes. May we respond with our actions of love and may we respond through actions of the fruits of the Spirit because of you. May we remind ourselves never to be fearful, never to be angry, because your grace is given to all of us. And the more we share it, the more we will feel it. Lord, there are people all around who are looking for a friend. There are people who are lonely, and there are people who are feeling helpless. May you lead us to them. May you lead us to them and may we know the words to share so that they will find a friend, so that they will find wisdom 
in you. And Lord, also help us to commit for times of silence so that when there's chaos and distraction around us, we can sense your words and your message and your guidance. Lord, take all that we are and all that we offer and may you pour your spirit on it and make it better so we may be stronger for your world. For this church, for the ministries of this church, pour out your spirit on them so that we may be better disciples for a community that may feel like it's wandering in a strange land. And for all of those controversies that are stirring within us, may you pour your spirit on that so we can feel your presence over anything else. And for someone that's popping into our mind now, if there's a name or a face that's coming to us, may we see that as a sign to reach out because there's something to do or something to say. And give us the action to do it and the place to do it and the nerve to do it. So Lord, take all that we ask and may you present us times this week where we may act upon them all. Amen.